0: morning by morning new mercies i see all i have needed thy hand hath provided great is thy faithfulness lord unto me summer and winter and springtime and Sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy and love. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning. sing.
1: Lord, we do just thank you for your faithfulness, your love, your mercy. It is new each morning as we come to realize how great you are each and every day. It's a choice to choose you, to choose joy. And Lord, that the help to choose that comes from you alone. It's not a decision that we make on our own. We need your Holy Spirit to do that. So, Lord, I just pray that you fill us with your spirit this morning. Continue to pour into our hearts as we worship you in spirit and in truth. And, Lord, be glorified by all that we do, not just here on on Sunday mornings, but, Lord, throughout our entire week. Would you be glorified by the thoughts of our mind, the actions of our hands. Help us to pour into our community and to reach the lost help us to remain strong in the faith and be sustained by your grace. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Faith. You can be
2: seated. I know that most of you know Greg, but I just want to take the opportunity now, if you're new with us especially, Greg is our youth director here at the church And uh, he has had the opportunity to do a three-week series on cultural engagement. Today is the last of that that series. And uh, part of what we do here at Faith Community Church is to prepare younger people for ministry. Greg is one of those. Greg uh, received the Lord through our dodgeball ministry years ago, and the Lord put a call on his life. And it's exciting to give him the opportunity to preach a series here. But I just want to say, Greg, what a blessing it has been. It's not just for you right? This isn't just for you to have the exercise of doing this, but what a blessing it has been to hear the messages. And I, I'm sure everybody here would confirm how they've been, been filled by the word that you have preached, the, the clear gospel message and the clear call to be engaged with our culture. So, so can we just say a big amen for Greg today and just show our support in that way? Give him a big amen. Amen. Yeah. We are, we are blessed, and we just want to pray now for your, your final message in this series, that the Lord would continue to speak to you, through you, to us. All right, let's pray. Oh, Lord, we are thankful for the word that you have given. Thankful that your word is true. Thank you that you have put us in this very place at this very time in order to be used by you. As Greg teaches this and shows us from your very words, that this is the call that you have for each one of us. I pray that you would use him, that you would bless him, that you would fill him with your spirit for the task of preaching the word today. And then, Lord, by your spirit, may our hearts, our eyes, our ears be open. Lord, be blessed by our attention. Be blessed by our humility before you today. Speak to us, Lord. We are listening. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: amen. So... Um I didn't know he was going to do that. Uh, so, so thank you for the encouragement that I've had from uh, this church congregation, from my brothers and sisters, from those who, who pour into me. It has been a blessing to be able to preach the word. It always is. It's a blessing to be able to, uh, to have this series that, that I've had the time to, to spend in. And, and I just want to say as we, we view this, You know, I've been very blessed to be able to preach the word. I've been very blessed to to be a youth director and to have this, this, you know, we have a job. I, I do have this as my job, but it's much more than that. And I'm so grateful for it because I get to do the Lord's work. And no matter what job you have, what direction you're heading, the Lord has a calling for all of us to do his work. I'm a product of grace. And as we mentioned in the song we just sang, great is his faithfulness. He is faithful. He is faithful. And he's been faithful in my life. He's been faithful in, in using me when I didn't feel like I was good enough to be used. In using me, although my past is so, so tainted, although I am still struggling with sin, the Lord uses me and the Lord wants to use you. And his purpose is, his plan and his work is much greater than our plans. And so today we're, we're celebrating the graduates, and uh, usually when we have a graduation service, we, we have kind of a direct message that is to them, to kind of give them a, a send-off as they go into the world, but it's also for the rest of us. It applies just as much to all of us, but we're also finishing up this series that we've been going through on cultural engagement. And throughout the past couple weeks, there's a lot that we've talked about in this series. we've, We've talked about how the mission of the church involves engaging the culture. The mission of the church is going out, making disciples of all nations. This includes engaging different people groups, engaging others, engaging the outside world from what we have in the church. The secular world, the culture surrounding us, we have to engage them because our battle, our mission is for people. So last week we mentioned how we need to know what we know. We need to know clearly the Bible. We need to know the gospel so that we can give this message and we live a life that defends this message. And we need to know what they know. We need to know what is the culture that we're getting into. What are the values they hold? How can we reach them where they're at? And so this leads us to today, our, our final time in this series where I'm going to be preaching on being in the world, but not of the world. Now, this is a phrase that's, that's grown popular among Christian circles, and, and I like this phrase. I like it a lot. There isn't a verse that specifically says this, by the way. There's no verse uh, that says, be in the world, but not of the world. This is a, a phrase that we get from a specific passage the passage is in John 17. And so if you have your Bibles, please open up to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Jesus is in the middle of a prayer. He is praying to God about multiple things. First, about the, the sacrifice that's about to be done on the cross. He's praying about his work that he's done. He's praying for, for the Lord in, in thankfulness. He's praying in, for, you know, all of the people that are going to be affected by what's to come, but he's also praying for his disciples here. He spends time praying specifically for the apostles at the time, his disciples, and in turn is praying for his followers. And so we come to verse 14, and Jesus is praying for his followers. And he says, I have given them your word. He's saying, I have given, he's praying to God, I have given my disciples, I have given my followers, your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. That's where we get the we're not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world so sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world I also have sent them into the world this is where we get the phrase in the world but not of the world now I want to make this clear because it can be very confusing We constantly say this phrase but what does it mean to be in and what does it mean to be of well for for instance Jesus, a lot of times in, in Scripture, in the New Testament, he's referred to as Jesus of Nazareth. This means that he is from Nazareth. He, he is identified as a person from this area. That is his hometown. But if we were to say Jesus is in Nazareth, that says that he is presently at that time located in, in Nazareth. So today, right, uh, we obviously don't use the same grammar that was used back then for, for recognizing people like that, but right now I am in Faith Community Church. I am in the building. However, when I'm out and about, because I am the youth director here, I work here, I serve here, I preach here, people see me and they might say, oh, that's Greg you know, from Faith Community Church, or that's Greg Fowler of Faith Community Church. Again, the grammar's a little different, but this is the idea. There's a difference from being in something and of something. And so we are in the world. However, our home, what we identify with, is not of the world. And so we have to really talk about what does it mean to be in the world? You know, we know that we are presently in, but in a lot of ways, we talked about this in the past couple of weeks, the church has really failed in being in the world correctly. Does being in the world mean that I just have to endure my time here? That I have to wait it out until the Lord takes me? I'll, I'll do my job. I'll be quiet. I'll be behind the scenes. I'll go to church and, and I'll stay separated. I don't want to interact with the world. I'm going I'm to do my thing and, and wait until I'm with the Lord. Because I'm not of the world. I, I don't think that's what it means to be in the world. To be in the world means we have to be. In the world, and that's a very simple statement, <laughs> and it, it sounds you know, uh, it's not very profound, but to be in the world means we have to be in the world, we have to be present, we have to be active, and we weren't just put in the world, we are called to be in the world. That's why, in verse 18 of John 17, here Jesus says to, to the Lord, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. This was intentional. Jesus has sent us into the world for a purpose. For a purpose. In in verse 15, Jesus says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. If our purpose was not to be in the world, then when we accept Christ as our Savior, he would have just zapped us up to heaven. Went up, been with him for eternity. There's a reason we're still here. Jesus doesn't ask for the Lord to take us out of this world. He has us here for a purpose. But he does pray for protection from the evil one. And this is because Jesus is fully aware of the dangers that are in this world. He's fully aware that this world does not like him, does not like his word, and he does not like us because of it. The world is overrun by sin, it's overrun by corruption, and it is led by the evil one, Satan. In 1 John 5, 19, John, in in this book, he says, we know that we are of God, those who have accepted Christ as their Savior, we are of God, and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Jesus was fully aware that the world was corrupt and dangerous. He was fully aware of this, yet he still sent us into the world. This wasn't just so that we would hide or cower or go along with the motions. He sent us here With a purpose. In verse 18, when he says that he sent us into the world, he uses himself as the example, just as I have been sent into the world. So then we have to look at, all right, if there's a purpose we have, if there's a purpose that we're here, if there's a reason that that we are still in this world and that Jesus wants us here, what is it? What is this exact purpose? And Jesus explains this purpose in in verse 4, all the way back in this chapter, when he's praying to God and he says, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Believer, there's two things here that we see when we talk about purpose. Christ's purpose on earth was to glorify the Father and to do the specific work that he had for him. Jesus' work was to die on the cross for sins. Jesus' work was to pay the payment that we could not so that us as creation, all of us who are lost and dead in our sin, can have a way to eternal life by believing in him. Jesus' work was representing God and proclaiming his glory to the world. he accomplished it then jesus left and he said to continue that work we've been talking about this work the past couple weeks this work that we have of glorifying the father by reaching people glorifying the father loving him while sharing the gospel while making disciples building his kingdom. And so we know our purpose, we know our work, and this is why we need to be in the world. But that's scary, because the world's dangerous. That's why he also tells us there's a careful way of doing this, And, and this is when we get to the don't be of the world. You see, if we enter into the world, and then we just get consumed by the things of the world, and we get conformed to the ways of the world, then we're missing... The mission. We're not fulfilling the purpose. We're just like Israel, whose purpose was to proclaim God's glory to the nations, yet they worshiped other idols. They did the things that the other cultures were doing. That's not our calling. We're called to be in the world for a purpose, but we're not of the world. Now, now what this means is in verse 17, Jesus, while while praying for his followers. He asked the Lord, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This idea of sanctification, being set apart. Jesus is saying, my followers are set apart by your truth. By your word. If we are to follow God's word if we are to hold the values of what is right and what is wrong according to Scripture, if we are to do the things that God is calling us to do according to his word, like go and make disciples, like love and and stand against injustice, we are going to be set apart because the world doesn't live that way. We are going to stand out. We're going to look awkward. We're going to look dumb. In fact, we're, we're told that the gospel is foolishness to the world. And if we preach that gospel, we're going to look foolish. Not only that, we're told in verse 14 that we're going to be hated by the world if we are following his truth. And so why is it we're prone to not be in the world? Well, because we're scared. I know for me, I'm scared. I'm scared to live in a way that sets me apart. I'm scared to be open and bold about Jesus because I don't want that hate. I don't want that persecution. I don't want everyone to look at me and say, who's that oddball? Who's that weird guy? What is he talking about? I don't want to stand out that way. And those are the fears that get me from fulfilling the purpose God has for me. Yet the purpose is so much greater and so much more worth it. We should expect this reaction from the world, but that doesn't mean that it has to consume us because we have a hope, we have a joy, we have a peace, and we have a message that is greater than the hate. The world is full of hate and it is run by Satan. There is evil power at work against the gospel, but we have a power greater. And so we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be fearful of living out the gospel. We don't have to be fearful of living out God's truth. We don't have to be fearful of standing out and not being of the world because we have the best gift in the world. And we need to share it. We need to share it. We are freed from sin. We are freed from Satan's dominion. Our home is elsewhere, And to not be of the world means that we are not to hold the same values, the same sin struggles, and the same beliefs as the world. And we're to glorify God by fulfilling his work, living set apart. Now, I know that this is a difficult task. I know that this isn't easy. I'm not asking you guys to to just run out into the streets and start proclaiming Jesus, although that would be a wonderful thing. And so... I want to move us real quick to another passage that helps gives give us a, some instruction on how do we interact with the world in a way that honors God, in a way that shares his truth, in a way that stands out, but also, but also encourages us to live in a way that represents him well. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul gives some instruction here on how we can interact with the world. 2 Timothy chapter 2 we're going to be in verse 23. So Paul says to young Timothy here in preparing him on how to interact with the world, he says, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to, To teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Paul's giving us some instructions on how we are are to interact with the world around us. We know that we have to be in the world, and and I don't want you to think, oh, well, this is scary. No, 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 we've got some instructions on how to do this well. we got some instructions on how to do this in a way that relieves us of this fear and prepares us and equips us to interact with the world with a purpose. First, he says, do not be quarrelsome. Avoid quarrels. Now, this is weird because Remember last week we talked about we're called to make a defense or be ready to make a defense for the hope that is in us. We're called to defend the gospel. We're called to defend truth. And we're called to preach the gospel and to teach the word of God. And so isn't that going to cause quarrels? Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Right now, our world, I had a friend who, who is, is more secular, and I remember talking to him once. It's something I didn't know because I'm, I'm in a religious circle. I'm in a, a Christian church, right? And so there's some things of the world that I didn't know. Well, one of my friends who is of the world, he was telling me that, that there are certain things that uh, amongst the secular culture you just don't talk about if you want to avoid, you know, quarrels and disputes. The first thing is politics. They say, don't talk about politics. When you just meet someone on the street, don't talk about politics because it's just going to cause debate and anger and frustration. And and the next thing was religion, that I'm not supposed to talk about religion from the world's perspective. No. In our American culture, they, they say it's wrong to talk about religion because if you bring up your belief system, if you bring up your religion, then you're trying to start a fight they're not wrong. Because when I say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, it says that whatever you believe is wrong. When I say that Jesus Christ died for your sins, it's saying you're a sinner. We know that the gospel is combative. It doesn't mean we have to be combative. It doesn't mean that we have to preach in a way that is so antagonistic. That's not what we're called to do. But when we preach the gospel, it's going to start it's going to start a fight. Unless, unless we're very lucky and the Lord wills and, and you have someone with an open heart and we praise the Lord for those opportunities and we hope for those opportunities, but majority of the time it's going to start a fight. Yet we're called to not be quarrelsome. But there's a specific thing he, he says here. Paul says in, in verse 23, Refuse foolish and ignorant speculations knowing they produce quarrels. He's not saying avoid truth. He's not saying avoid the gospel he's not saying avoid bible issues he's saying avoid foolish and ignorant speculations knowing that they are to produce quarrels church when we interact with the world there are things that that we hold that that aren't clear gospel and they could start quarrels and we're not called to do that they hurt our chances of sharing our message we have to know what are the issues we're going to address. What are the priorities? What are the things that we should talk about? And how do we talk about them? For instance, me, I'm very opinionated of a person. And uh, it's something that, that the Lord's been growing me on and, and continues to. I have to seek him on it frequently. I'm very opinionated. I'll gladly in a group of people shout out a harsh opinion that I don't realize could hurt someone in the crowd. Like, hey, you saw that new movie? I thought it was awful. And then, you know, person in the crowd's like, I really liked that movie. And I'm like, aww. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I easily say things that produce quarrels or, or hurt others. Maybe it's an opinion that I don't fully understand. And, and I'll give an example of this. And this isn't, uh, by the way, when, in this example, I'm not giving you the full extent of it. It's just an example. And I got this from a, a book that I'm reading on cultural intelligence. But in talking about different issues, one of the issues that we talk about, you know, we look at politics, we look at um, issues of abortion and homosexuality, and we know that we're firm on those things because the Bible's firm on those things. But there's other issues that that we're not as firm on. So, for instance, the topic of racism, we are all in agreement: racism is wrong. Racism is evil. Racism is wicked. We're all in agreement of that, but when we talk to people of the culture, maybe there's different opinions on how it is to be handled. And this is when a lot of people get into speculations or or not understanding each other, and quarrels come about. Yet we're not to be quarrelsome. We're to prioritize truth. We're to prioritize the message that, that does change their lives. And so, avoid quarrels, but also... He gives the instruction, be kind to all. In these discussions, as we interact with people who have differences and different beliefs and different understandings and and people around us, if I go to a local Walmart or if I go to a a video game tournament, I'm going to be dealing with people who are of very different backgrounds. They're going to be cussing and they're going to be saying inappropriate things and they're going to be talking about politics in a way that I completely disagree with, yet I'm not to be quarrelsome, I'm to be kind to all. While I'm preaching truth. He also says. Be patient when wronged. Now this is a hard one. What Paul's suggesting here. Is that we're going to be wronged. We're going to be wronged. When we preach the gospel. When we preach truth. As we mentioned the world hates us. We're going to be wronged. Yet the Lord says. Be patient when wronged. When the world is attacking us. Our goal is not to to get angry and respond in quarrels and respond in debate and respond in anger. Our, Our goal is to be patient and respond in kindness and then correct gently is what Paul says. Correct in gentleness for those who are in opposition. We're going to get opposition for our message, but we need to know how to correct them in a way that is loving, in a way that is kind, in a way that is gentle. For instance, I've, I've talked to people about the topic of abortion, and I've had people angrily attack me on, on this topic of, oh, well, you don't care about women's rights. And I'm like, no. I promise that's not the case. We love women. We love the mothers that are, that are dealing with hardship. And we want to help and support them, but we also love the, the life of the child that's in the mother. Notice the gentleness And the kindness. I didn't react. They were attacking. They were attacking. They're saying, you hate women and and you do this and you do that. No, that's that's not what we're doing. I'm not here to debate. I'm not here to quarrel. I'm not here to attack or defend. I'm here to correct gently. To share truth. And the best part of this is Paul at the end says, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth. And that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil that they've been held captive in. When we're interacting with the world, church, let's remember, they are corrupted, blinded, and being held captive by the enemy. That one. Not that one. (laughs) I put my hand up for that. They're being held captive by the evil one. They're being held captive and used by, by the one who is full of wickedness and hate toward God. And so instead of this feeling of anger and frustration toward them, we need to remember that the battle is for people. And we need to pray diligently for the people in the world that we're interacting with. Because we can't change their hearts. No matter how much we share truth, no matter how much we convince them or argue, we can't change their hearts. God changes hearts. We share the message, we do the work, and we pray that the Lord changes their hearts. And so, church, this is how we interact with the world. This is how we're to interact others as we go into our different parts of the world. And, and I want you to consider today, I want you to really consider what ways are you in for you graduates, Derek, you're going to Word of Life Bible Institute, so you're going to be at a Bible college. And sooner or later, you're going to be out of Bible college. But even Bible college is full of some, some secular people. You're going to be interacting with people who don't know Jesus. Same for Natalie. She's going to Word of Life Bible Institute. Peyton, you're, you're pursuing an, an art, maybe degree or, or job, and so you're going to be interacting with a community of people who love art and a community of people who love plays, who who don't know Jesus. And and for lots of us, we're working in different fields, we're in different places, we're uh, in in maybe different colleges, or or even just simply the the neighborhoods we're in, or the, the grocery store that we go to. We are in different places for a purpose, and the purpose is to interact with the world for the sake of God's glory and building his kingdom. And so my conclusion today, my my application to take home, what I want you to kind of run away with is that God has has you in the world for a purpose. He has saved you for a purpose. Not just for you to avoid hell for eternity, although that is a beautiful, wonderful gift. He has a greater purpose in you, and he has a greater purpose in me than we could even think of. He has saved you for a purpose he has equipped you and sent you for a purpose. And this purpose is greater than your job. This purpose is greater than your college. It's greater than your hobbies. It's greater than your, than your likes and dislikes. This purpose is about the eternal souls of people. And so we need to go out fighting for this purpose, fighting for God's glory and the souls of others. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this time that we have to dive into your word. I want to thank you that you've made clear to us your gospel, and Lord, you have placed us in this world. Not to be separated, not to to be scared, not to be overwhelmed, but Lord, to trust in you, to rely on you so that your gospel would go out that lost souls would come to know Jesus and that your name would be glorified. Lord, you have, you have blessed us and you've, you've prepared these graduates to go out into their different fields and, and prepare to enter into the world. And Lord, keep growing us in how we live like you so that although we're in the world, we remember that we are not of the world. You are the one at work in us. Thank you. We love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: And the reason why we can be in this world but not of it is because Jesus saved us by his work on the cross. Without him, we would simply be of the world. But because of his sacrifice, because of the fact that Jesus came to pay the penalty for our sins by dying on the cross, we can be in this world, but not of it. It changes our citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are aliens here, and that's all because of the work of Jesus on the cross, which is what we commemorate now as we receive the Lord's Supper. As we do this, I want to just remind you, this is for anybody, anybody who is a follower of Jesus, anyone who has taken that, that sacrifice of Jesus and said, yes, it applies to me personally if you haven't done that in your life then then let these elements as they come by let them pass by because because unless the cross has been applied to your life it's meaningless this is a commemoration of the fact that Jesus died for me for you and so we we read about this in 1 Corinthians when The Apostle Paul reminds us, he says, The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We take that bread, and we remember the body of Jesus that was sacrificed for us. The Apostle Peter reminds us, he says, He himself bore our sins on the tree, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness By his wounds, you have been healed. So the men will now distribute the the, uh, bread and then we'll take it together when they're done. Thank you.